0: Hi and welcome to the first episode of Inside the Real Job podcast. I'm your host, Yen Fu Chen. Today I chat with David Howe, the skilled surfboard shaper and one of the co-founders and co-owners of Misfit, that globally known surf brand. I want to give a big shout out to David for being my podcast pioneer. This podcast is a journey in the making as I connect with fascinating individuals to explore their life stories, careers, and the secrets to success if you were to follow in their footsteps. Can't wait to keep improving and have another awesome chat with David in the future. Hope you enjoy it. Hey David, good to meet with you today. How are you? Very good, thank you. Yourself? Very well, actually. I'm pretty excited to hear your life. Uh, I know you've been a surfboard shaper over the last 22 years, yeah. Uh, and you're also a co-owner and co-founder of Misfit Brand. Uh, so, really want to get into you know the life of you know what you do every day. So, why don't we just start first by telling me or everyone the listeners, uh, how did you get into surfboard shaping?
1: Well, I started in the early 2000s. We, um, I was living in Narabeen at the time, and I was in an a apartment. On the beach, and there was a guy that was living on um, living in the apartments at the front, and we started having a few beers together and just hanging out for a little while. And he was um, just—I knew that he was a surfboard shaper. He actually came over from uh, Western Australia, and his name was Cole Adams, and he was probably about uh, twenty-five years older than me, I guess. Mm -hmm. And um, he—they, this company had brought him over to shape uh surfboards for a couple of labels uh back in those days so uh he was mainly brought over to shape lost surfboards in australia so um at that point in the early 2000s there wasn't too many um shaping cnc machines yep so he after a few drinks one night we were chatting and um kind of told me that there's uh you know there's a lot of work um and that you know that he wouldn't mind like if they were you know if I if I wouldn't mind helping him like or learning to shape okay um and I like I, like was, you know we'd had a few beers and yeah. didn't really think too much of it but that was on the weekend then on the Monday uh, afternoon I I just rocked up at his work and then just started watching him right okay so basically after um watching him for at least three months probably four months. Without touching anything, no foam, no nothing. Um, I started just um, it just started slowly, sort of getting my hands on the foam. Yeah, and then um, and then it kind of led from there. It was it was more watching than doing and asking lots of questions. Yeah, um, but yeah, because it was I was learning to actual hand shape, mm. which is. Um, Pretty uncommon these days, right? Like, there's not too many people that actually do that. Mm-hmm. It's um, most people design, and I this is what I do now I design my files on on the computer, and then um, then a CNC machine cuts them. But back in those days, we um used a planer, we had um, outlines templates, and uh, just full blanks, and so we used to cut them out and then shape them by hand. And, yeah, so that's how I started shaping uh, with coal.
0: Yeah, right. And when you say coal, like what drawn you to coal or vice versa? Like what were you doing before shaping that coal sort of went, oh, you might have the skills already to do some of this? Or was this just something that – was just through relationship that you've, you know, got together, or did he, did you have a particular skill that you could transition into, um, surfboard shaping?
1: Yeah, so before I was shaping, I was a French polisher by trade, Right. so I'd done, um, my, my, gone to TAFE, sorry, and got my degree there, and I actually finished a bit early in my, uh, French polishing. Uh, course and I started my own business uh when I was about 21 I think it was when I started that so I um yeah I, I'm I've always been good with my hands and with tools like the tools that you kind of need to to shape but just um you know just having a good eye and good with your hands and like I said it was it was kind of you know we'd had <laughs> quite a few drinks that that night so <laughs> It was quite funny how, you know, it was kind of like an off the cuff sort of question that um Cole asked and not much was really said after it, but I, I showed up on that Monday. Yeah, show you keenness. Yeah, yeah. And then from the time I showed up, I that was like I said, early two thousands. I was I, I would do my normal French polishing job basically mm. from eight till four. Yeah. And then I would go around to his work in brookvale from you know from four to ten o'clock eleven o'clock at night yeah. sometimes we'd get up super early and i'd get up at like three o'clock in the morning with him and he'd go in yeah. early because we shaped uh surfboard shaping like a lot of factories um back in those days because there was so much work would run 24 hours a day would right. run around the clock so people would be in at all sorts of um, hours so We would get there super early in the morning and then I'd do quite a few hours early in the morning, then go to my French polishing from, say, around 8 to 4, and then sometimes I'd go again, you know, in the afternoon. So I did that for a handful of years um, and then kind of transitioned from there to 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 full-time.
0: Yeah, right. And you were talking about you were good with the hands and, uh, you know, with obviously certain tools that you use for French polishing. Did that help a lot? Or do you feel like there's something that, you know, if you could go back time, if you were keen to do it, was it something that you mm. feel like you had to be good with your hands? Or was it something that anyone can just pick up and just, you know, experience over time? Or because you've had that trade, yeah. it definitely helped you. Not so much the trade, because I
1: remember the transition from, because, you know, French polishing is predominantly wood, mm. um, and then going from foam. So something from a very hard, dense surface, mm. going, su- surface going to, foam it was um it it took a while to to not be so heavy-handed yeah um and to work with the foam like molding the foam uh which was um it it did take a while but because i did have a good eye um and i would i could use the tools properly Mm. um it didn't take as long as say someone that just you know just came in there like generally in the past what people would normally do would, you know, start from fixing, doing ding repairs to doing fins and, and kind of working their way up to to shaping. So I kind of started the other way around where I was shaping, but like very much under the, the watchful eye of Cole, mm. um, which again is that doesn't really happen these days because, yep. you know, the computers and the files are so good these days you don't have to um you know you can make a surfboard look like a surfboard anyone can do that by just going on you know the computer and designing it yeah but when you're doing it by hand to try and make a surf like the even the outline look clean
0: yeah
1: um it's it's just a whole different skill set so i spent pretty much four years under coal, four or five years 24 7 pretty much yeah and it it literally took me four years To just learn just the basics of surfboard design. That was just the basics of surfboard design. So, um, but because I knew the basics of surfboard design, when I went from um, uh, the hand shaping to computer shaping, I kind of I knew the why behind like concaves, rails, uh, foil, all these. um, There's so many um, dimensions of the surfboard, but because I knew how to hand shape and design a board when I went to the computer, like I, it, it, I didn't, I didn't hit and miss. I knew what I was doing. So that was a big benefit.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you had the experience. So do you feel like, uh, your sort of skill or trade is a lot different to what it is now? And do people want to get into your sort of trade or is it more because it's just easier doing it by say computer like Uh, is there still people out there that want you know hand shaped boards yeah for sure there
1: there is definitely a market um that market isn't in the like the high performance short board because the benefits of using um a computer and um a, a CAD machine is like you you can fine tune down to the um you know to the 64th of an inch like if you if you want to it is so fine tuned and not just that you can replicate it board after board after board where with hand shaping it was very much um like an art and you kind of you have you certainly have your measurements that you know because Back when I started, and we were doing lost surfboards, um, we were production shaping for another company um, in America. Um, so we had the outlines of the boards that um, that uh, the shaper over there, Matt Biolis, wanted. But uh, because he knew Cole uh, really well and uh, respected Cole's hand shaping, uh, uh, sort of allowed Cole to be able to do the uh rockers for and the, the not the outlines the rockers and the the rest of the board design he left it up to cole to do so as long as the outline looked like a lost board um he trusted uh cole to uh, just make the surfboard work for each place like if it was up on the gold coast you know we would do certain things the boards if it was in victoria bells if it was on the northern beaches we would be able to um add elements into the design for certain spots. But these days with the computer, you know, it is good. So if we were doing that now with Lost um or say for instance like with Misfit when we send boards over to um you know to Europe or or to America, like I can design the file from home and then uh, email it to the guys in, in to in Europe or in into America. And they get the exact file that um, you know you can get anywhere around the world. So it's it's very um, uh, uniform. It's yeah. Everyone kind of gets that shape, which is good. Yeah. Um, but it just doesn't have like I suppose the the what do you call it? Like the the area, you know, knowing that living on the northern beaches, we knew that these rockers, these rails, these concaves went good for around here. Okay. Um, and yep. then up in Queensland, we knew that, you know, we'd do certain things to the rockers. Yeah. So.
0: Okay. Where if you just, you're saying if it's just overseas and it's just a file, it's more like a template and it's just every board's the same. It's, yeah,
1: it's, it's just, it's an all, re- like, you know, it'll work. Like, yep. you, you definitely know, it'll work, but it's, it's, um it's just, uh, uh, a master file that you know, you know that someone will jump on it and it'll work really well. And then if people want to, who are very good surfers, they might want to fine tune it. So you can work with them in, you know, playing with rockers or, you know, um, fin um, fin placings and stuff like that. Yeah. But you know, getting back to your question about hand shaping, there are yeah. still quite a few hand shapers out there. Yeah. And that's more in the, maybe like the. Longboard uh, <laughs> retro twin fin sort of um, that sort of category, and there are certainly people out there that um, that surfers shape. Sorry, there are certainly shapers out there that surfers want them to hand shape boards for, and um, those guys are you know they're 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 artisans. They're, yeah, they're, they're amazing. So do
0: you do you see that as you were saying? Do you feel like it's more of an art and a skill? So do you feel like this art will can be passed down or and will be passed down. You know, I'm thinking from a such a, you know, hand on genuine you know care perspective versus technology. Mm. Like in say five ten years time, if someone wants to get into this industry yeah. to be a surfboard shaper, do you think that craft and that art will still be there?
1: No, I don't. No, I don't. I'm for- well, yes, sorry, it will still be there, but it'll be extremely niche. And right. as As hand shaping is becoming more and more of a dying art, Mm. um, it's in five or 10 years. Like, I I think there'll be, you know, 3D, um, uh, what is it? Um, 3D printing. 3D printing. Yep. Like, I, you know, I think materials will probably change, but I think 3D printing will, you know, come into surfboard uh, somehow. Yeah. Um, But. Yeah, like, I I was probably the last generation of production shapers, so back in the 2000s, because at that time, like I said, there there weren't many um, CAD machines around, so, like, you know, all the major labels were all hand-shaped and previous to that, so... Uh, I would have been pretty much one of the last um, production shapers that learnt the skill from yeah, okay. start to finish. I can't see the kids these days, you know, doing four out four years of um, you know twenty four seven learning surfboard design and, and hand shaping because it's it is such a um, you know there's so many elements that you need to know to design boards uh, from scratch. But I can see them learning you know, programs that will help them, um, with shape, um, was it, um, 3D printing. I think that would be, you know, something that they might look at. Um, I think it's still a while off before they do that, but, uh, I, yeah, I think, uh, it would, would help being more computer literate these days. Yeah.
0: And is that including like being a graphic designer of some sort? Like what that whole designing component, I assume you need to be good at designing in general
1: yeah i think if you want a brand like you know yes in surfboard design i you, you need to know surfboard design you do need to know it because you know you can be great at printing um, 3d printing but you've got to put the elements you know into a uh, surfboard so i probably see the the kids probably taking boards um, from shapers that they know that go well, and they'll probably scan them, yeah. and then they will. Um, and then they'll go from there. And that's kind of what happened back in the day when computers, uh, when the CAD machines came in, people were ripping everyone or the labels, um, designs off, and then basically putting their own decals over it. So i reckon that will probably start again because if you don't know surfboard design you've got to get it from somewhere so there'll be a little bit of ripping off there Mm. so yeah i i I do think um with design i think if you're looking to have a brand you know that's a whole different world in itself like misfit uh, is is a brand it's not just a surfboard shaping company yeah i um i was very very blessed to I've known my, my 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 business partner Chongi uh, for for about twenty years now. So he's um, without him, Misfit wouldn't wouldn't be where it is today because I'm very good with my hands and yeah. designing surfboards. I know inside out. Uh, but yeah, when it comes to actually uh, brand, that's where you know Chongy is just amazing at that
0: and. He's the one that sort of built the brand around the
1: surfboards. So.
0: Yeah, right. Okay. We might come back to the brand. I just wanted to finish touching on, you know, you said the design element, uh, you know, learn 3D printing and, and, you know, maybe graphic designs or whatever. But I assume, and I'm not a surfer, right, so that's why I'm asking the question. Hmm. Uh, but I assume you got to know the water as hmm. a surfboard japer, right? you got yep. to know how the board works, yep. you know, how the water comes off it and yep. so forth. So I assume you still got to know that stuff to be a surfboard shaper
1: yeah so learning the basics of hydrodynamics like it it can help like i didn't do any courses in it but just knowing how water flows over a single concave to a double concave to a v to you know a flatter deck or a more domed deck and then putting all those elements together so that is something that you know it's just experience uh, over years of Designing surfboards, watching uh, your team riders surf them, and not just team riders, anyone really, because you know it, it's just watching how the the water runs um, off a rail and where where it sort of holds, where the where the hard edge at the tail, and it's just again, there's just so many elements there. So yeah, learning how water flows. Overboard, underboard is very important. Yeah.
0: So you got to get your hours up with surfing, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, R&D. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's where you get all the hours up first before you become one, I guess. Because um, that was my next question. Um, you know, what's a typical day look like for you? Uh, and, you know, I think everyone visualized people that work in the surf industry, they just surf all day. Uh, I assume hmm. that's not the case. You know, yeah. as a shaper, you have to deal with different people to... Yeah get the board from design to actually production I assume yeah
1: so yes that is uh one of the biggest myths in uh surfboard manufacturing that you you just surf all day especially (laughs) well you gotta test the boards out right that's it that's (laughs) it that's what that's what I that's what I tell my wife (laughs) and but yeah like just being a you know a shaper like people think you've got 100 boards in your quiver and you surf all day yeah generally not surfing as much as you'd like you probably watch more surfing than you are surfing and i've got less than a handful of boards in my shed so and that's including a couple of soft softies that i i muck around with my kids on so yeah it it's it is a a, a massive process and and working with the really good tradesmen in their in their craft like from people that put fins in the boards to, uh, glassing the board to filler in the boards to, um, sanding the boards. It's just such a, a big process. And if you get one of those wrong, like it can make, you know, I can shape the best surfboard in the world, but if the fins put in not correctly or, um, or not evenly, like they're not both the same, um, you know, it, it can kill a board. So, where I work at the Glass Lab, I'm I'm very blessed to be working in basically the best manufacturing um, place in, in the world, I reckon, for high performance shortboards. Yeah, right. Um, they're just such a they their attention to detail is like no other. And, you know, I've been to a lot of manufacturers around around the world and uh, there's some amazing ones out there. But yeah, these guys are the best I, I from what I've seen and it's an honor to be working in that um, in that factory because, you know, from the Groms that put the fins in the boards to, you know, to the guys that, you know, there's glasses in there that are in their 60s that have been doing it for 40 plus years, uh, to Sanders and they're just, they are the best out
0: there, I reckon. Yeah, right, okay. And so typical day you might start with designing a board or do you have meetings? I assume you have meetings with the glasses and so forth.
1: Yeah, with generally when I go to a factory and I'm just sort of starting there, I will work very closely with um, the, the the guys who manufacture the board. So I'll work on you know how I want the fins sort of uh, splayed out, what degrees I, I'd like. You know, my thrusters uh, to twenties. Um, I'll work really closely with sanders because I just I, I just the blend from the hard. Hard edge in the tail to the soft edge is something that um, I'm very uh, particular about, and I just want it to feel like it's my, um, like how I've shaped it. I want it to feel like that when it's finished. So when I when I turn a board and put the board on its nose, and I just feel the um, the hard edge of the board and that roll into that soft edge, I just I I just want it to feel like I feel when I'm in my shaping bay. So um,
0: yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, great. My next question is: you know, what are the most rewarding aspects of being a surfboard cheaper? I, it's pretty simple to me. I just like putting smiles on people's faces. Yeah. So it doesn't
1: matter if you're, you know, going for a world title. And, you know, I I haven't shaped for someone going for a world title. But <laughs> Not I'd yet. Like two, one, Not though. yet, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like, you know, there's a lot of pressure in that, you know, top echelon of surfing. Like, that is a hell of a lot of pressure hmm. for the shapers. But, um, you know, to the, you know, to the Grom that's getting their first custom board, to the Weekend Warrior, I just... You know, if you're not if you're not smiling when you're surfing then, you know, it's it, there's no use doing it. Like yeah. so I just like putting smiles on people's faces. So that's you know, that's why I love doing it. Yeah,
0: great. And um do you feel like there's a lot of competition or there's plenty of space for everyone to be a surfboard shaper or even build your own brand, which I wanna to really touch on next.
1: Yeah. It's it the space is getting a lot a lot smaller these days because Again, going from when when it's just hand shaping to to be able to be very good at that, you had to spend a lot of time and a lot of hours, you know, doing that. You're very consumed, uh, and you couldn't just knock out a board and hope to look good. You you had to know what you're doing. Where these days with computers, it's it's so much easier to design a board and it just go mm. like um it's it's it's, it's very easy. I mean, when you talk from that sort of scale to the, you know, to the best in the world, that, that's, that's you know, chalk and cheese. So yeah, the competition in the, in the shortboard world or even in just shaping in general has narrowed a lot because people can use the computer and they get someone that's very good with graphics or they may be very good at graphics and they will um, be able to design a nice logo and slap it on a board and, you know, get a nice website. Yeah. And, you know, they're probably good at uh, social media. So there, there's a lot of amazing shapers out there and um, even some of the old school shapers that, you know, I'd get a board hands down in a second if I could, In you know, instead of going to some of these, you know, like newer sort of younger shapers. Yeah have the best looking logo on their boards because you know the it comes down to experience and you know the guy that taught me to shape Cole Adams like he you know his his and that sort of era of shapers like they just they know they they are master craftsmen they know a surfboard inside out back the front yeah they're just amazing so to get a board off one of those guys yeah to getting you know a board off you know someone to it, that's shaped for you know three to five seven years that's you know never picked up a planer has yeah. a really nice logo and has some nice sprays yeah you know it's chalk and cheese there yeah, you gotcha. but you know the consumer is so um so uh enamored by social media these days that yeah. You know, they, they love, a uh, you know, the sprays, the logos, yeah. and they, they just get caught up in that world, and yeah. you know, and that's fine too. So there's, you know, there's new markets for that. Yep. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think it's it, the market is getting narrower and narrower these days.
0: Yeah, great. And talking about your market, you know, I want to touch base on Misfit, mm-hmm. uh, your surf brand, and, you know, how did it go? How did it start? Like, obviously, you were surfboard shaping with coal for all the different I guess, um, brands. Mm-hmm. So how did it go from that yep. to, Hey, I want to start my own surfboard brand, yep. uh, Misfit, which is, you know, pretty yep. big these days. Yep. Uh, so yeah, tell us a background on that.
1: Uh, with that, I was hand shaping like the lost and I also was handshaping another brand called Weber at the time. And after the four years of really just doing my, just my basic apprenticeship, I, you know, some friends would ask me if like I could do some boards. So at that point, I would just sort of blend that, you know, with what Cole had taught me. And, you know, again, I was very lucky to have gone over to America and stay with Matt Byles, who is the the head loss shaper over there and founder um, and stay with him and and watch how they shape boards. But so putting everything that i would learned together, I that's where Misfit came from. So it was like, instead of having to do like rockers like this for this model for that, that company and then the same for the other company, I sort of was starting to get my own ideas on how I would like to do some boards. So that's where Misfit came into being and I didn't have any fancy logos. When I first started um, Misfit, I just drew misfit on a a4 a4 piece of paper and then got a razor blade and um cut that out yeah right and then i just uh stencil it onto the board so, okay and i still got that stencil actually oh that's cool yeah so that's kind of how misfit started i yeah. it's just and the like, name
0: where the name come from?
1: the name uh that's a good question <laughs> <laughs> that was um because i was very much a misfit in the world i was i you know I, I, used to um party quite a bit and go pretty crazy so misfit was a good uh name for for my brand i thought yep and um but i when i when i started going out on my own in around 2004 i um had a pretty radical transformation i i i actually became a a christian i was kind of at the lowest point of my life so Um, I found, I found Jesus, which, um, you know, was, was a, um, a lifesaver for me and still is. And I was a bit worried at that point because I was like, oh, I'm the name Misfit. I'm, yeah, right. I'm sure I'm going to have to get rid of that because yeah. my thoughts of what a Misfit was, mm. was what I was. Yeah. Um, but I was basically taken on a journey and... I ended up at the library and opened up a thesaurus right And I felt like I felt like God was guiding me to this to this to this thesaurus and yeah. I opened it up and I went and I had a look what a um, mis- uh, misfit was and it said uh, misfit a noun, someone ill adapt to their surroundings. Right. So as soon as I read it, I just felt like, you know, what I've been reading in the Bible that you know Jesus was a misfit. Yep. You know, he was in this world but he yep. wasn't of this world, and sure. that, as Christians we are to be in this world, um, but not of it. Right. So, that was where the name um, really stood out for me. Where I thought that I was going to have to like get a new name, and yep. I love the name, and um, but I just I was just shown that you know you don't have to be. You know, like I was, that you can still be, you know, you can still be you. But yep. you know, God just sort of, you know, really changed my life around, and you know, the adventure that I was seeking in other things, I found elsewhere. Yeah. Um, so when that happened, I was pretty, pretty stoked about that. That I yep. could keep the name Misfit. And then the night, actually, the night I became a Christian, I, I met my business partner Chris Johnny. Yep. yep. So he um, I went to a Christian Surfers event on a Monday night, and uh, he was we picked him up on the way there, and I, I, I didn't want to go because I, I, was, I wasn't in a good state then. I, I, was, I had a big weekend and it wasn't exactly where I wanted to be, but sure I, um, my mate Joel picked me up and um, basically dragged me there,
0: and that's where I met my business partner for the first time.: Yeah, right. And mm. you are today. Yeah. So why don't you talk through, you know, just briefly or however long your journey with Chris on, you know, the ups and downs of where Misfit started and where it is now. Uh, I'm sure there's still up and downs, but obviously you guys have really built this brand. Uh, People are wearing the Misfit clothes, using the surfboard. Uh, So yeah, give us a bit of an insight on that journey.
1: So yeah like I said I, I met Chris in um, 2004 May 2004 and he was working in the the, the surf apparel industry so he well, actually he was working in some surf shops so he was selling surfboards in Manly at the time so yeah we just we become friends and it wasn't until about 2008 2009 that's where we kind of... It suddenly clicked and kind of felt like we were to you know to kind of work together. So around that time he, Chris started helping me uh, with the branding of Misfit. So previous to that it was just a it was just a surfboard mm. um, um, brand. but turning it into a brand as such where you know marketing it as a brand, not just a surfboard, Um, that's where he, he come from. He come from background, not just work. he worked his way up from selling surfboards to managing surfboard stores, and then started working in the, the apparel industry with Quicksilver and then got, um, then started working for Insight around the time where we started sort of thinking about, you know, we'll potentially, you know, we will, we will come together at some point. We didn't know when. Yeah. But, you know, Chongi was working in that area, honing his skills, and um, he is extremely good at that. He's, um, yeah, he's, he's the best out there. Yeah. And I was, um, you know, I really backed myself with uh, shaping yeah. at that point. Like, I'd, I'd been, you know, shaping for, you know, nine, nine years and had, you know, done well and surely done my, my trade and started to really understand, you know, surfboard design. So, yeah, coming together. And then it happened in about, in 2010, uh, Chongy and myself opened up the Sugar Mill in Narrabeen, which was a surf store. So it was, you know, we had brands that were kind of aligned with Misfit so you know at that point you know having insight that was very countercultural. um you know i always loved vans vans was my first brand that yeah. i and still to this day wear um i've been wearing it pretty much all my life and yeah. it's just such um you know amazing brand i i really i was a, you know i probably skated a little bit before i um i surfed when i was a kid and I, I really loved um, Alva, Tony Alva, and what he did with his uh, with his brand, Alva. So you know, Misfit for me was a, again like it was that blending of the surfboard manufacturers that I used to shape for, Lost, and um, but also as a branding, I liked. You know, I really liked you know Alva and how he marketed it, and that again that countercultural countercultural you know punk sort of um sort of feel so and chongy coming from insight that sort of had that feel as well but probably a bit more um a lot more like polished. so we sort of misfit as a brand sort of became a um a blend of uh myself and chongy so that's kind of where it started and then yeah we we were printing t-shirts like misfit t-shirts so we would have um some of some of our team writers we do we have t- team riders that are a little bit different we, they're not you know generally in on the wct or the qs or anything like that they're they're very good surfers they um they like maybe good musicians or artists and we and they just surf the way they feel it's it, it wouldn't you know generally be scored that well in a in a contest but they're very um what's the word um very authentic in the way they surf they they just they feel it and they and i, I just love that kind of surfing um it's very raw yeah and we had a a, a surfer that used to ride for us um otis kerry and I used to love just the way he surfed. Again, he just really, you know, fitted where we were at at the time and, uh, like, we were raw and as a brand and he was raw and, you know, again, he really helped um, boost the profile of of Misfit surfboards and Misfit out there and having... um, the brands and people wearing like t shirts. So we would make these t shirts that the, some of these artists would do for us. So yeah. it had an on it, but they would do their art and we would sell it in our store at the sugar mill and they would sell through really quick. And so as as we were sort of, you know, as the years were progressing, we kind of got, you know, more and more into the apparel side and it In about 2015, we were approached by a company to, um, you know, to license Misfit and to be able to, they would um, manufacture and sell uh, our clothing. Yeah. So that was just an absolute blessing because, you know, uh, we're very good at what we do with branding and um, art direction, but the company we partnered up with were very, very good at manufacturing they had a lot of doorways and logistics and everything like that so it was a perfect partnership and it still runs to this day so it's that's been a real um journey and just you know seeing where the journey has been has taken us in you know from you know we signed that agreement back in 2016 so where are we where you know yeah. you go, 7 8 seven years, years. Yeah. yeah into it and it's 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 been amazing to see to see the brand come as far as it has, where it where it is now from the humble beginnings in mm. in Brookvale as yeah. as me you know stenciling my misfit on a surfboard to now being in you know multiple countries yeah um around the world and you know you, you see people from you know all walks all of life, life yeah in all Ring different countries you know it, it's extremely humbling and, yeah. It's um, you know, I, I give God all the glory for that because I'm I'm <laughs> I'm certainly not that smart when yeah um I couldn't do that and um you know by myself. So having amazing amazing people um, beside me, like Johnny, um to 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 you know bring his gifts together and to make it as it is today. It's um and also you know all the team writers, yeah. you know, past, present, and future. Yeah. You know, it just, it makes Misfit Misfit.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, just listening to you talk about that journey, I think the key elements that I hear is that whole partnership. You know, you mentioned it a few times. It's about getting the right partners. You know, I like that, you know, Chris was in that whole retail appeal sort of merchandise mm-hmm. perspective and you just kept your, you know, skew on shaping and then you came together later on when you, you know, really mastered your skill, mm-hmm. if you want to say. Yeah. Uh, and then you got the right people. So how did you, through that experience, how did you know that this was the right partnership to move into or go with to continue to build Misfit? With Chris? Oh, Chris or anyone that, you know, came along with the journey. Yeah,
1: I think just mainly like for like. We generally get people – we don't normally reach out as such. It's people will, you know, will DM us and – you know, send some. Um, well, yeah, it used to be DVDs back in the day, yeah. but yeah, it's basically all yeah. social media these days. So, yeah. we will you know we've been you know we've had amazing um, contacts like what the lead guitarist out of Foo Fighters, Chris Shiflett. Yeah, right. He's um, he loved what we do. We've done him a handful of handful of boards. So when he comes over to Australia, he always grabs a board and That's in cool. return he. He gives us these um, backstage passes to yeah, go right. see the Foo Fighters, which is just, you know, that's just mind-blowing. Yeah, and of course. You know, again, it's very humbling to be able to be, you know, in the presence of, you know, those guys. It's it's amazing. um To, you know, to garage bands, to, you know, we've had, you know, um, some of our team riders that have had bands, like there's Jake Vinson and his um, sister Jaleesa, you know, they've had a couple of bands together and, again, just, just, just raw. It's just, it's just misfit. It's, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like for like, we, a few years ago, we had a, um, uh, music, we, we did a a music festival and we just picked, you know, some of the, the bands, like old school bands, new school bands that were just very misfit, What what we, you know, and yeah, it sold out, and that was in the city of Sydney. Um, yeah. We were in this pub there, and that was that was amazing just to see you know to see that, and you know we we're very lucky to to have such diverse people and people who are you know just good at what they do, whether they are artists or they're musicians, um, they're surfers, yeah, you know they're 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 just creative and yeah. It just yeah it. If it's sort of, you know, you know, we do, we do, you know, get a lot of people wanting us to do certain things, but it's basically just kind of got a, a line with, yeah. you know, with the the brand.
0: Yeah, the brand, and I guess the values, right, is probably yeah. what the key is. It sounds like all the people that you've agreed to work with have similar values or yeah. similar vision, where they're all very supportive uh, and yeah. just want to genuinely do well for each other and yeah. so forth. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah, cool. Um, so, you know, probably wrapping up, we've spent a good hour already together and I feel like we could talk forever. Uh, but I guess for you, you know, with all your experience, what's your advice to people that want to be a surfboard cheaper or, you know, just want to be successful in general? Is there a couple of things that you sort of, you know, the values that we were talking about, is there anything that you really stick to that you might want to share?
1: Yeah, I think you've got to do what you love doing. Like, you know, don't do it just for the money. Mm-hmm. Like you you certainly need money like I'm not saying that like you don't need that you certainly do but love what you do um you know I couldn't think of anything worse waking up every day and just hating you know going to work I I, you know life is so short and there's you know there's so much out there so to to wake up every morning and not like love what you do I think you know you're kind of wasting you know life a bit but you know again people are in certain seasons of life so you know there's times in you know at the very beginning of when i was when i went out on my own with surfboard shaping like i was carpet laying um helping a mate do that to make ends meet And yeah. you know i didn't love doing that but you, you got to do what you got to do yeah to um you know to to own a buck and put food on the table and yeah. uh roof over your head so you you know but ultimately you could you know, you kind of would like to be able to do what you love to do. And, again, doesn't have to be in the art world or um, music or whether you're, you know, a lawyer, a banker or whatever. Like, you know, I just think enjoying what you do is just such a, you know, is number one. I think having also good people around you too. I think that's a big one, having good people around you and uh, people that... Like I was, I was very blessed to have uh, Chongy, you know, come into my life, and and us, you know, we we had this friendship before we started the business, you know, the started the brand as such. Um, and then I, I think, and having people around you that support you too, um, you know, I've been very blessed to have amazing people around me, um, you know, from family to friends to to help me. Um, because it is a hard journey, you know, owning, you know, your own business, mm. especially in this day and age and, and, you know, in this post-COVID world, like the world has really changed. It's, mm. it's changed so much in the last, you know, three to four years um, and just having to reinvent yourself all the time. Yeah. You can't, you know, what we did, you know, 12 months ago doesn't necessarily work now and especially what we did three years ago before. The pandemic um that is um you know you can't do that so you always got to be you know on the forefront of what you do whether it's um you know design or or um you know whatever you do you being at the forefront and you know for me and for my business partner chongy having god on your side um certainly helps as yeah, well yeah
0: sure <laughs> yeah great okay well david thank you for your time And I'm sure the listeners will uh, appreciate your time as well and get some great insight uh, on life being a surfboard shaper. Thank you, sir. Thank Thank you for having me. All good. Cheers. Well, I hope you enjoyed that first episode. It was great chatting with David from Misfit. and A few things that really stood out to me. The first was that the art of hand shaping surfboards may not be around forever, especially with the rapid advancements in technology, however there's still a demand from surfers who really appreciate that uniqueness of a handmade board, so there's potential for those aspiring to be surfboard shapers. Speaking of technology, it's clear that surfboard production is becoming more efficient, so if you are looking to pursue a career in surfboard shaping, it's beneficial to develop both your IT and designing skills. The last takeaway for me is that whether you're starting a surfboard business or any other venture, it's essential to refine your craft and form partnerships with individuals who complement your skills or bring different expertise to the table. Doing this will enhance your chances of success. So thanks for tuning in and make today a good news day.